This is Wicket's World with Mike Wicket on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Happy Friday. What is going on? Happy to be here. If you're watching on the Facebook feed, you will notice that I am rocking my new Jordan Love jersey, which if that's a hint of what we're going to talk about today, or if that's not a hint, then I don't know what is, man, because I was off last week and uh, had a lot to, I mean, Last week, Jordan Love finally spoke about the trade of Aaron Rodgers to the New York Jets. And, you know, he seemed to command the room a little bit better than he, uh, you know, when he was talking to the media in the last three years. And he had a little more confidence, which is good. And we're going to hear from Jordan Love. If you have not heard from Jordan Love, because he's one of those guys, like, you don't ever, when the, the Rodgers drama has been going on for years, you know, with the Packers, when they drafted Love three years ago. So... When all of this has been going on, everyone has been like, well, you know, when Love will get his chance, Love will get his chance. Maybe Love will get his chance. Maybe they'll keep Rodgers and kick, you know, kick Love to the curb, whatever the case is. No one ever actually, I can honestly tell you, other than draft day, no one has really heard from Jordan Love, right? Like, we, there, there's, you don't get his thoughts on a whole lot because who wants to hear from the backup quarterback? It was a lot like that uh, back in 2008. I was working for a radio station in Milwaukee, and I was living up in Green Bay during training camp week. I would go up there for a week. And I remember I got to talk to Aaron Rodgers. Because at the time, Brett Favre had his own interview room and did his own thing. And I was just walking around the room. And I'm like, all right, who am I going to talk to now? Because players get going. They go eat. Back then, they had two-a-days. We don't do two-a-days anymore. Kids, back in high day, training camp used to start several times a week where they would have a practice, a break, and then another practice all in the same day. And they would actually hit each other. They don't do that very much anymore. But I was just walking around the room, and I'm like, I'll talk to the, the backup. Who knows what this kid's going to turn into, this Aaron Rodgers fella. Who knows if he's going to be any good? Is he ever going to get a shot? You got Brett Favre over there. You got the Hall of Famer over there and Brett Favre. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. But we never really heard a lot from Aaron Rodgers until the trade to the Jets happened. And then, 15 years later, the trade happens again. This time, Aaron Rodgers goes to the New York Jets and we had not really heard a lot from Jordan Love, at least not in a major press conference setting where he's standing around talking to the media at the same podium that Favre was at and the same podium that Rodgers was at and the same podium that all the coaches and all the, the big-time names come out and, and speak to the media in front of. So when you had a chance to actually hear Jordan Love speak, I'll tell you what my first impressions were after we, we hear from him. I know I will never forget where I was. I was in my dining room. When I got the tweet and I saw Schefter's tweet, and you remember, probably you've seen it on Twitter, you've seen it on social media, where Adam Schefter is doing a hit on NFL Live, and he pulls out his phone, and you have all of the, uh, you know, Mina Kimes is there, and they're talking to Dan Orlovsky and whoever else, and, and Adam Schefter is reading off the trade of Rodgers to the Jets, and everybody's got that face. You know, the, oh my gosh, the, it was a great screenshot. It was hilarious. I was standing in my uh, dining room, should have been paying more attention to my kids, but I wasn't because Aaron Rodgers was getting traded and the draft was three days away and I was getting ready to go to the draft and I had to plan my outfits for the draft. These were more important than my children at the time. And I pick up my phone, I look down, I see the trade go ha- the, the, the trade go down, I watch the video with Schefter and I was like, wow. This is really happening. This is actually happening. Like, you knew it was going to happen. And anybody I talked to said, well, you you worried the trade's not going to happen. You worried you have to pay Rodgers all that money. What happens if Rodgers decides he wants to stick around? The trade doesn't happen until well after. I was like, in my head, I kept saying, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. No worries. It's going to happen. And then the thing goes down. And you're like, this actually happened. And it brought back all the feels of 2008 when... You were like, they're never going to trade Favre. They're not going to trade the legend. Guy won three straight MVPs, went to two Super Bowls, won one. You're not going to get rid of that guy. And then it happened. And you're like, oh, my God. I I will always remember where I was. I was in my living room when that trade went down. And I was in my dining room when the Rodgers trade went down to the New York Jets. But what about Jordan Love? You know, he was asked about what he was doing when Aaron Rodgers 
The word came down when he was officially traded to the New York Jets. I can't remember what I was doing, but I remember uh, my agents calling me, and they were the first ones to kind of inform me about it. Phone started blowing up a little bit, things like that. So just kind of dealing with that through the day. And he immediately, uh, you know, a couple of days after the draft or whatever, and if you're a Packers fan like I am, you were thrilled to see the, the headline. Jordan Love to go to California with Christian Watson, with Romeo Dubs, with the young receivers, and they're all going to work together. Because the big criticism, as you know, of well, one of the many criticisms of Aaron Rodgers, at least in the preparation phase, was that Aaron Rodgers didn't jive well with young receivers. And last year in the preseason, he didn't spend any time working with the guys. And then, of course, everybody was like, where's the chemistry? What is going on? And even I bought into Rodgers doesn't need the offseason. Well, as it turned out last year, Rodgers, with the thumb injury, the worst year of his career since he was a rookie. Now, how much of it was the thumb? We're about to find out this fall. But it was great to see Jordan Love take the reins as QB1, to be the guy, to be the man. You don't have to beat the man. That's different. But to be the man in Green Bay. And, and he was off. Or he was asked about you know his approach here in the offseason, knowing now that he's going to be QB1. The whole offseason, you know, I approached it that uh, I'd be the starter. Um, that was just my mindset going into it. I couldn't really control what happened going forward. That was kind of the approach I took to it and just went from there. And, and you know, there's, I was listening to more of Jordan Love, and there's a short bite in there that we're not going to play, I don't think. But he said he had that same mindset every year. I don't necessarily believe that. I don't think two years ago, Jordan Love, A, was ready to be a starting quarterback, and he had to know that he wasn't ready to be a starting quarterback in the National Football League. But he couldn't have actually thought, and I know you're not supposed to say this, but he couldn't have actually thought he was going in to the 2021 season or even going into the 2022 season that he had a shot to be the starting quarterback over Aaron Rodgers. I mean, right now, as excited as I am for Jordan Love in the era to begin, if you're, again, if you're watching, I'm rocking my new Love green jersey with the number 10. Right now, Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than Jordan Love. Right now. You can't say, it's, it's hard to fight that argument or that statement. When you're talking about a 40-year-old four-time MVP who's won a Super Bowl and is going to the Hall of Fame as soon as he is done playing, five years after as soon as he is done playing, versus a guy who started in Kansas City and sort of looked okay, a guy who didn't look great against Detroit, and then a guy who looked good for like 14 snaps against Philly. Who's the better quarterback as we speak? Aaron Rodgers. Who's going to be the better quarterback this year? Week six, week 10, the year 2024? I don't know. I, I have no idea. I do know that Jordan Love looks at his time since coming into Green Bay from Utah State as three really, really good years. Since college and since I've been here, I've improved drastically. Just learning the scheme, learning how to play in the scheme, and uh, just improve myself as a quarterback. And I think I've improved in a lot of ways. And you know, I just try and keep building that, try and keep working at it every day. If you watch... Uh, Jordan Love throw the ball at Utah State or in the very limited time he has had in Green Bay up until the Philly game this year. If you watch Jordan Love throw the ball against Kansas City or against the Detroit Lions, big sweeping arm motion, huge arm motion, takes a little while to get that thing going. And if you're a Packers fan or you've just been watching Green Bay in the Aaron Rodgers era, you know that nobody has a quicker release than Aaron. I mean, Rodgers was one-two snap throw, and he gets it out of his hand so quick. Whereas Jordan Love, bigger guy, longer arms, big sweeping motion, like an over, like an overhand curveball, big sweeper. Until you watch that Philly game, and there's sometimes when you just you you know when a guy has made an improvement. Now I'm not a quarterback guru. I'm not an NFL coach. I could not get a job coaching on any sideline from Pop Warner to the National Football League, all right? Maybe as a quality control assistant because I don't actually know what that does. Maybe as a water boy. That I could probably do. I could probably get the water boy job. But even I, as just a fan, someone who's watched a lot of football, right, I've watched football on TV. That doesn't make me an expert. It makes me just like you. You watch football. You watch the NFL. You watch college you watch your favorite team, you watch the Bears, you watch the Steelers, you watch the Cowboys, whatever your team is. I watch the Packers every week. And you can just, just see there's a difference between 2021 Jordan Love and 2022 Jordan Love, just in mechanics. And there was a dude that was brought back into the fold. 
that I think it's a, that needs to get a lot of credit for the improvement in Jordan Love. Now, he was brought back in the fold a year ago because allegedly Aaron Rodgers wanted him in, and that's Tom Clements. And Tom Clements was Aaron's quarterback coach. When Favre was there, he helped get Rodgers ready for that takeover, for that change. And when they brought Tom Clements back in, I put this up on Twitter. I said, is it possible, and I believe it is possible, that Tom Clements was brought in, sure, to help out Aaron Rodgers, because we all know that Aaron needed a little help this year coming in. But isn't it possible, and I believe this, that Clements spent a lot of time and was brought in to get Jordan Love ready for this moment. And you saw it in one season. The ability, and again, just 14 snaps or whatever it was against Philadelphia. And that is all we have to go on as football fans, as football, air quote, analysts. We're not analysts. Come on, I'm not. I'm a fan that has a microphone. But you just saw the the change in fundamentals, the change in footwork, the ability to one-two read, snap, throw, knowing where the ball is supposed to go, throwing the ball where it's supposed to be, finding Christian Watson on a 60-yard touchdown. He should have had a big gainer uh, when he threw the ball to the outside in that game to Aaron Jones. Jones even said he's not going to drop that next time. Like, you could just see it when stuff started to click. Now, there's still a lot left for uh, for Jordan Love to get clicking. I mean, he's still going to see a lot of blitzes until we can figure out how to beat a blitz because that's all Kansas City did to him, and they beat him up two years ago. But there are just times when, and I liken it to this, and maybe I've made this comparison before. Maybe I haven't. I've made it a lot, but I'm not sure on this show. If you watch Giannis Adetokounmpo from the Bucks. Three years ago, when you would watch Giannis, remember, Giannis always wanted to shoot threes. He's seven feet tall. He's a battering ram going to the rim. He's the most dynamic force in the NBA. For the entire regular season, every analyst said he's the best player on the planet. Still probably is, or he's in the conversation, whatever. But you would watch Giannis shoot a jump, a jump shot or a three. And that ball was a push shot. Like they used to shoot in the 1950s. All right, it was a push shot. There was no snap, no snap to the wrist. Two seasons ago, Giannis all of a sudden got a little snap in his wrist. Now I still, as a Bucks fan, don't want Giannis shooting anything outside of three feet, but I have slightly more confidence when I see that snap. Like when you watch the great shooters, when you watch Steph or you watch Dame or whoever you watch, those guys have the snap in their jumper because that's all they ever spent doing. They spent their life hitting jump shots. That wasn't Giannis's game in Greece. That wasn't Giannis's game when he got to the NBA, and he's still developing it even in year 10. But you watch Jordan Love when he takes the ball now. At least go back and watch those snaps against Philadelphia. Everything is more crisp. The big sweeping delivery is now more compact, quicker, faster. When you're talking about tenths of a second that make a difference, between the ball getting batted down and the ball getting back to where the receiver needs it to be, whether it's back shoulder, out in front, numbers up high, he is able to do that now. And you can just see the difference. Now, none of that matters because he's going to be the starter now. He's got to do it for 17 games. He's got to do it for a full season. How is he going to do it when teams are coming at him for four quarters every Sunday? That's what really matters. It doesn't matter what he did for 17 snaps against Philadelphia, but what's he going to do week one against the Chicago Bears? By the way, I will be at that game. Yes, I will be at the Bears-Packers game week one, Soldier Field. I will be wearing a Justin Fields jersey. The quarterback of the Chicago Bears. I tell you why I will be rocking a... Throw up in my mouth. I'll be watching the Bears and the Packers from Soldier Field in a Justin Fields jersey. Next. Wicket needs a timeout. He'll be back soon. You're listening to 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. One zero two one FM and thirteen fifty ESPN Des Moines. What's up? My name is Mike Wicket. This is Wicket's World. Uh, we're talking about the Packers and Jordan Love. 
We'll get to some more of what he had to say, including the term let it rip, what it means to him, because that's Matt LaFleur's term, which I am so excited to see. But I, I told you this, like if you're watching on the video right now on Facebook, you see that I am wearing my Jordan Love jersey. I got it for the draft. It was my birthday present from my mother-in-law, Carol. Thank you, Carol. Love you. And so I'll be, I, I'll be rocking this a lot next year and hopefully for years to come. But week one, the Packers play at the Bears. And I'll be at that game. I've never been to Soldier Field. I'm very excited to see Soldier Field. I'm excited to be there for Bears-Packers. But I'm going to be wearing a Justin Fields jersey, the quarterback for the Chicago Bears, who I have spent plenty of offseason time ripping on on social media. Um, the reason why is uh, I do the morning show over on Laser 103.3 here in town. And we have a fundraiser called The Walking Fed. And we raise money for the Food Bank of Iowa. And we, during the event, people give us dollar amounts to do stupid stuff. Uh, I got a tattoo for a thousand bucks. It's on my arm right now. We've done other things. One of our listeners named Wade. <laughs> Wade said, how much to have you go to a Bears game with me? Because he's a season ticket holder. He's a big Bears fan. And wear a Justin Fields jersey. And I said, $500. And he said, done. And then he sent the money in. I should have asked for $5,000 because it was like 30 seconds later he had gone to the website and donated the money. So coming up week one, Saturday, we're going to jettison out of uh, out of here from downtown Des Moines, wherever Wade lives. We're going to go meet him at his house. We're going to get into his, he's got an RV. We're going to drive to Chicago. He's got a bunch of Bear fans that he tailgates with and goes to the games with. God help me. Uh, and then we're going to be at Soldier Field. And I'm going to be be rocking the uh, the Justin Fields jersey, the Chicago Bears jersey, at Bears Packers. Now, I'm trying to figure out, like, when I go to the game, do I what do I wear under? Because I have to have Packers as a foundation, right? But it's also going to be, what, uh, the 10th of September. So it's not like I can wear a ton of clothes because that's still summertime in Chicago. Because the other option was Bears Packers week 17 or week 18. And I would much rather be in Chicago in well, I guess that game would be in Green Bay anyway. Never mind. But I'd rather be in Chicago in wouldn't you rather be in Chicago in September than Chicago in January? Yes. The temperature could be four as opposed to eighty. So yeah, I'll be there week one in a Fields jersey. I asked the dude, I said, should I go buy the the the, the Fields jersey now? Because I would buy a knockoff. I'm not spending a ton of money on that. I'd go buy a jersey, probably. But he said, No, I'm gonna get you one at Soldier Field. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. It's going to be worn once. <laughs> it's going to be worn one time. And that's going to be it. We're going to go get a knockoff instead, okay? We're not going to get a brand new, authentic Justin Fields jersey at the Bears Pro Shop on game day. I don't think it gets more expensive than that. Yeah. What? What if it was signed? signed? Yeah. I mean, now you're talking several hundred more dollars, I think. I think... I don't think we're at the point where a Justin Fields signature lessens the price of the Bears jersey. Like a Jay Cutler autograph probably makes a jersey cheaper if you're a Bears fan. So yeah, that'll be that's what's going to happen week one. But I may have to have I got to have a Packers shirt on underneath or something. It's going to be miserable. I'll be the one person not cheering, and then like Packers score, and I'm like woohoo! Oh, rough. Rough, but it was it was awesome that Wade donated the money. It goes to a great cause, uh, and I look forward to that. Back to Jordan Love. The term, let it rip. That is a term that Matt LaFleur has been talking about for Jordan Love because, as I was talking about before the break, Jordan Love looks like a guy who now can throw the ball at an NFL level. Can he do it for four quarters? Can he do it for 17 games? Can he do it for a decade? We don't know yet. Nobody knows anything. We have a handful of snaps where he looked like a legit NFL quarterback, against Philadelphia. That's all we have to go on, but it is time to let it rip. And what does that mean? I think the term let it rip, I mean, it's hard when you first get here, you know, your mind is so flushed around so many different things, trying to learn a new scheme, trying to read the defense and understand where to go with the ball. So you're kind of thinking a little bit too much out there and you can't just play uh, freely. So the more you keep building, keep learning, that's kind of where I get that term, just let it rip. You know, you know where to go with the ball and just let it fly. I think what you need to do when you have Jordan Love, and coming up we're going to hear from Adam Stenovich, the offensive coordinator for the 
for the Green Bay Packers. But I think when you have love at this stage, the best thing you can do literally is keep it as simple as possible. And I'm not saying dumb it way down and treat him like a rookie because I don't think you have to do that with love. Who's been in the system now for three seasons. But I think instead of, you know, one thing I can probably, I can't guarantee this, but I could guess Jordan love will not have the full autonomy to call audibles the way Aaron Rodgers did. And why would he? It's going to be his first year starting as opposed to Aaron Rodgers and the Hall of Fame career he had in Green Bay. You know, Rodgers, if he didn't like something, he wanted to, he saw a weakness, he saw something he could exploit, Rodgers would call the audible. Whether it was a shot play or going back to the run, rarely happened with Rodgers that it would call. <laughs> Very rare that Rodgers would go from a pass to a run. But the other way around was much more obvious. But I don't think Jordan Love's going to have that freedom which means they're going to rely on uh, uh, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones a heck of a lot. I think there's going to be a lot of the concepts that if you're a Packers fan and when you would watch Rodgers run the offense when it was looking beautiful, the two years he won the MVP, not the 2022 season, but 20 and 21 when it was like a symphony, when it was humming along, when it was jet motion, when it was pre-snap, when everything was going different ways and Rodgers was attacking the field in the middle and they were kicking, kicking the ball to the outside. That's when it looked so beautiful. And I think you're going to see more of that as opposed to Aaron Rodgers, who still, even three years in, wanted more West Coast offense because he called it the most beautiful offense, the most perfect offense that has ever been invented by the by, by, the, by football coaches or football play designers or whoever. Whereas the Shanahan style that Matt LaFleur wants to run, I believe we are finally going to get to see it in year one of Jordan Love. Will it look great early? No, it's going to look bad at times because offenses usually take four weeks to figure themselves out. If the Packers have their offense figured out by the time we get to like October, I'm cool with that. I think it should be humming along by the time we get to Halloween. What about the playbook? Now I mentioned, I don't think you dumb it way, way down. Like he's a first year starter. He's had three years in the film room, in the quarterback room, in meetings, on zoom calls, watching games in practice, maybe not with the ones, but they're still running the same concepts. Offensive coordinator Adam Stenovich says that Love's got the full playbook. Obviously, he doesn't have the playing experience that uh, Aaron had. But from a playbook standpoint, pretty much all of it's on the table. You know, he's been around for three years, like you said, and, uh, you know, really attacked it. Even last year, you know, you could see him coming to his own, felt a lot more comfortable. So this year, he's really hitting it on all cylinders. And so I'm really excited to kind of see what he's going to bring. I have to believe that if you took microphones and cameras away and you ask this coaching staff, while they understand the greatness that is Aaron Rodgers, I think with all of the drama, all of the I don't know if I want to play stuff going on, all the Pat McAfee show appearances, all of the immunized, vaccinated stuff, everything, I believe more than not, the coaching staff is is excited and happy that they get to start over with Jordan Love. Now, again, they know how great Aaron Rodgers has been. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is a has-been at this point. We'll find out in the fall. But I believe there is a genuine excitement with Matt LaFleur, with their general manager, Brian Gutekunst, with Adam Stenovich. I believe there is a genuine excitement to see what Jordan Love can do this season and next season because he signed that extension for 2024. And and Senovich is is there because he's he's been around for the last few years. He's been part of the building blocks. He's got the OC uh, title now. And I think he's excited to watch Jordan Love, you know, go through this process. It's kind of trial and error. A lot of it's that, you know, I think the preseason, that's going to be very important as well. But just going out there, getting him around all these uh, young receivers and tight ends and stuff and working with our vets and just kind of allowing him to put his leadership on there and put his stamp on it. And then once you kind of see how it's going, then you can kind of go in that direction. I think the Packers are the youngest team in the NFL. I, I don't know if that's 100% correct. But it's tough to come up with a couple of guys over the age of 30. Mercedes Lewis gone, Mason Crosby gone, Rodgers was the oldest, he was 40 gone. I mean, it's tough to come up with guys who have been there more than five years, who are 28, 29, 30. The Packers have gotten very young very, very quickly. 
And so I think if you're a fan or you're just a football fan and you're watching the Green Bay Packers, if you're expecting Green Bay to come out of the gate and look great and win 13 games, I think you're setting the bar too high. Vegas has them at six and a half, seven and a half. Well, either depending on the casino, I think, or what book you use. I think six and a half, seven and a half is the number. And I mean, they've got Christian Watson, second year. Romeo Dubs, second year. They're expecting things out of Bo Melton, second year. Uh, Samari Toure, second year. The rookie tight ends that they just drafted. The wide receiver, Jaden Reed, that they took from, from Michigan State. Rookie. I mean, who's the old guy on the offense that, that is actually going to touch the ball? Aaron Jones? Is that right? Josiah DeGuara? I mean, that's kind of it, right? I mean, that's who you're talking about. I mean, the old man on the team now, I think, is David Bakhtiari. I think that he's I, he might be the oldest guy on the team. I'm trying to think if anybody else pops in my head. Adrian Amos, if he comes back, would be, I think, another old old guy on the team. But they are so young that it, the expectation has to be... T- I mean, I'm excited for the next three years. I don't know about the first three months of the season, though. But there are a lot of teams looking around the league at young quarterbacks. And what young quarterback had a really good year last year? It wasn't Kenny Pickett, who actually got better in the second half of the season, who was the first quarterback off the board. Malik Willis is pro- Malik Willis is done in Tennessee. We know that. He looked like he was completely misdrafted. Sam Howell's going to start for uh, Washington this year. But the best young quarterback last year was, was probably Brock Purdy, right? Mr. Irrelevant. Last guy taken out of Iowa State. Goes to the San Francisco 49ers. Wins every game in the regular season. Hurts his elbow in the playoff game. Niners lose. They become one-dimensional. They don't have any... I mean, they lost Trey Lance. They lost Jimmy G. They wound up going to Brock Purdy. There are a lot of people out there, and and this is either... I'm not sure if this is a fair comparison, but anybody who has a young quarterback is probably going to look at Brock Purdy and say, that guy did it. That guy did it as being a seventh-round pick. Niners were loaded, and Purdy didn't have to do a lot. And I think that's sort of the plan for Jordan Love. Anytime, you know, like Brock came in and had a lot of success last year. Anytime you have a young quarterback come in, you're looking at, okay, what are the schemes? What are the different route concepts? What are the different things that you can do to kind of simplify things, make reads a little easier, whatever it may be, to just put him in an advantage or put him in a comfortable place. So I think that was kind of the biggest thing there. The number one thing, last thing I'll say on the Packers, then I'm going to move on. The number one thing that will lead to Green Bay having a good season. Nothing to do with with, uh, Jordan Love. The factor that will lead to Green Bay either winning five games this year or ten games this year is Joe Barry, the defensive coordinator, and that defense. They have loaded up on defense and drafts. They took Lucas Van Ness in the first round this year. They have all these guys in the first round. If that defense can't win a few games while Love gets his feet wet the first month of the year, then... This season's going to be a dud for Green Bay. As much as we want to talk about Jordan Love, it comes down to Joe Barry. Coming up on the other side, I've got so much to get to still. John Morant, what a week for that idiot. Uh, We'll talk about uh, Joe Burrow because he actually gets it. And speaking of getting it, Joe Burrow liked Tom Brady, right? You got to hear what Tom Brady had to say to some rookie quarterbacks uh, earlier today. That's next. Like ESPN Des Moines on Facebook and watch Wicket's World live in real time. This is 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. One oh two one FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. My name is Mike Wicket. This is Wicket's World. Coming up, I'll get to John Morant. I just don't understand things. And it's going to be bad for John Moran. And he brought it on himself. But we got to talk about that. Uh, why Joe Burrow is a little bit different than everybody else. Because we'll, we'll talk more about Burrow. And if you have not seen the story, Joe Burrow said that he's going to be looking out for his uh, teammates when it comes to him getting paid. Because Burrow's next. Herbert's next. About these quarterbacks who are getting paid. You know Jalen Hurts got his deal. Lamar finally got his deal. They've reworked Patrick Mahomes to make him the highest-paid quarterback in the league, but he got it about not needing to be the highest-paid QB in the National Football League. Like, he understood all that. But it all comes back to Tom Brady 
basically starting that, right? Because Tom Brady, for years, figured it out. The quarterback can't win a game on its own, can't win Super Bowls on his own. When you're the highest-paid quarterback in the National Football League, that means there's not enough money to go around the rest of your team, the rest of your roster. Who was the highest-paid quarterback in the league last year? Aaron Rodgers. Who was after that? I think Russell Wilson. So you, you get where I'm going with this. You can't spend money if you don't have money because you're only paying your quarterback. And that's why Tom Brady, that's what separates Brady from Aaron Rodgers. Like, I, I, I 1,000% believe this when I tell you this. From a talent standpoint, Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than Tom Brady. But Brady will always be the GOAT because he has seven Super Bowls. Six in Green Bay, six in uh, New England, and one in, in uh, Tampa. And Aaron's got one. But Aaron's got four MVPs and a lot of money. Whole lot of money. I believe if Aaron Rodgers took the Tom Brady route and took less, and I'm not saying take 10%, I'm saying take 20% less than top dollar, they could have outfitted him with more players, better players, better weapons. He always had good weapons, but people always claim he didn't. They would have been able to spend more money on defense in Green Bay. And they would probably won at least one more, if not two, Super Bowls. But he didn't. And that's Aaron's prerogative. You know, I'm never going to tell you, don't get paid. You are worth what you believe you are worth. And you are worth what someone will pay you. But Brady always had the mindset that winning Super Bowls was all about, was what he was all about. And not making as much money as possible. Because that's how you do it. So when Tom Brady speaks, I hope rookies listen. And Tom Brady, I think he was at the CEO or the, the owner of Fanatic Sports. Some rich millionaire at his mansion, I think in Florida. Good for him. Whatever. And invited to be there were the first four quarterbacks taken in this year's draft. And it was Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, and Will Levis. And I absolutely love what Brady had to say to these guys about where they were drafted. Going in the second round, in the end, that's not real that big of a deal. Going first overall, in the end, it's not a big deal. Right? It's great. You got opportunity. You're probably going to be paid more than anyone for a time period. But I was I was drafted, you know, 199. I just outlasted everybody. There's another me back there. Right? So how do I keep my edge on everybody? Thanks. I had, to, I had to keep working. I didn't go, hey, I'm good. Right? I won three Super Bowls. I'm good. He came back and won four more. You know, like, I, I, I hope, and if you see the video on this, if you're on social media, you know, Google Tom Brady, Bryce Young. And if you see the video, they're all at this table. And there's the rich fanatics guy to his right. And there's somebody else I can't make out who it is even further down the table. But there are the other guys on the other side staring at Tom Brady, a guy they all grew up watching. I mean, don't forget, like, Bryce Young's, what, 21? Brady's career started when he was, before the kid was born. His entire life, Tom Brady has been in the National Football League. And for most of his life, Tom Brady has been the GOAT, which is amazing. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, all sitting there listening to Tom Brady tell him about, it doesn't matter, you have to keep working. Now, maybe two of those guys will do that. One of those guys will wind up being a bust. I think we all... Just you look at a quarterback class and not everybody taken high is going to be an MVP and is going to win multiple Super Bowls or even a Super Bowl, all right? I think we can all, you can have your pick. Do you think it's going to be Bryce Young because he's little? Do you think it's going to be Will Levis because he's a bust? Is it going to be Anthony Richardson because he only had a handful of games at Florida? Is it going to be C.J. Stroud because he can't process information? Whatever it is, is going to keep somebody from reaching the, you know, the Mel Kuyper upside, or whatever it is. And some of those guys are going to just play and have a career and be good, but one of those guys, hopefully, will go on to achieve greatness in the, in the, the likeness of Tom Brady. Whether it's winning a Super Bowl, two Super Bowls, multiple MVPs, whatever the case is, somebody's going to listen to Tom Brady and really absorb it and really utilize it, and somebody's going to be a knucklehead. And the other thing that Brady said to these guys that I thought was awesome had to do with losing. Because if there's one thing you ever, I mean, especially before Tom got old, you would watch Tom on the sideline 
and and there would be anger when he would throw a pick or anger when they would turn the ball over or anger when he would lose, but it was that fire. When he was in Tampa, he started throwing tablets on the ground. That became his thing. But he was in New England. You could just see that it was going to fuel him, and that's what he said to these young quarterbacks about losing. When Trav, something goes wrong with Trav or with Mike, with his company, right? With me, like, the only thing you do is work harder, man. Mm -hmm. The only thing you do is work harder. Like, defeats can't make you work less hard. I think that's the point. Like, when Shut hits up. the fan, you got to change the energy. You got you to gotta put more into it, never less into it. Defeats can't make you work less hard. What an awesome thing to say to four guys who are about to start their quarterback career in the National Football League. Defeats can't make you work less hard. That's awesome. I love that because they should actually do the opposite. You lost, get better. You overthrew the ball, get better. You underthrew the ball, get better. You threw a pick, get better. You didn't read the defense. You have never seen that defense before. Get out there with your guys. Have the defense run the scheme. Get the tablet. It's such a great thing to hear when you're a young guy like Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, and there's going to be a ton of pressure on those guys. And whether they start year one, year two, or year three, there's going to be a ton of pressure on those guys to come in and have success. And as long as you keep the words of the GOAT in the back of your mind, you're going to have a lot of success in the National Football League. Coming up, we're going to get to Joe Burrow, going to get to Ja Morant, Joe and Ja, and, and don't go anywhere. Because Kira wants to talk Phoenix Coyote hockey. Get ready for that. Wicket needs a timeout. He'll be back soon. You're listening to 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. One zero two one FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. What's up? My name is Mike Wicket. This is Wicket's World. Tonight, Cubs and Phillies game one of that three-game series out in Philadelphia. I assume we're going to have the NBA playoffs at some point throughout the uh, the weekend. I, I, it's just, if listen, if you turn on this radio station and there is live sports to be heard, we're going to have it. Whether it's Cubs baseball, Sunday night baseball, or the NBA playoffs. And we are down to the final four teams in the NBA. We got the Eastern Conference Finals game two tonight. Heat and uh, uh, Boston Celtics go Heat. I don't know. I don't really have much of a dog in the fight anymore. I mean, the two teams I enjoy watching the most, a Bucks fan. So when the Bucks got beat by the Heat in uh, round one, my interest really dropped in the NBA playoffs. Now, I'm still a, an NBA guy, always have been. But then when the Warriors got knocked out by the Lakers, because I love watching the Warriors play. I love watching Steph Curry play. I think Steph is, I think I've talked about this before. Steph Curry is one of those guys that brings me more joy than almost any other athlete to watch them play. So when the, the Lakers knocked Golden State out, now I'm like, okay. I love LeBron James. I hate the Lakers. Uh, I was born to hate the Boston Celtics, so I can't root for them. Miami does nothing for me. I mean, I, I, Jimmy Butler's incredible to watch, but I'm not really like, oh, go Heat. Which leaves the Denver Nuggets, so I think I'm pulling for, but nobody ever watches the Denver Nuggets. Nobody realize, realizes how good Nikolai Jokic is. I mean, the Joker is incredible. He's putting triple-double after triple-double after triple-double together. Three, no, four straight playoff games going triple-double. Never jumps more than two inches off the ground. Schooling players, doing stuff that is just... It's so funny to me about how we we do this. From October through March, timeline, October to March, ask any analyst, who's the best player in the world? Giannis. Everybody on TV and every national radio show, Giannis. And then you start getting to MVP talk, and people have Giannis fatigue, and they have Jokic fatigue. So you start coming up with the case why the best player in the world or the MVP is Joel Embiid. Fine. I don't agree. Whatever. Giannis gets knocked out of the playoffs. He's no longer the greatest player on the planet. He somehow sucks now. Garbage. Now Steph Curry has a 50-point game in Game 7 against Sacramento in Round 1. 
Now Steph's back. If you listen to Sports Talk Radio the day after that game, Steph Curry is the greatest player on the planet right now. Okay, fine. All right, I'll listen to it. As a mediocre series against the Lakers, Lakers bounce the Warriors. Now all of a sudden, the great and Anthony Davis had a real good series. So Anthony Davis is the greatest player on the planet. Do you know who they're telling you is the greatest player on the planet right now? It's Nikolai Jokic. And he might be. I mean, he's the most skilled big man since Hakeem Olajuwon and maybe ever. All right? I'm a, I'm a Hakeem guy. I'm old school. I loved watching the dream. When they went back-to-back during Jordan's absences, I always wondered. I know you probably wondered as well. What would have happened if the Rockets and the Bulls ever met? And I think that would have been awesome. You would have had the three-headed monster at center going up against the dream. You would have had uh, the Rockets trying to figure out a way with big shot Bob. How are you going to defend Michael Jordan? But we never got to see that. Never, ever got to see that. So if you're watching the NBA playoffs and you're watching uh, Nikolai Jokic for the first time, you've been missing this greatness. And I think there's a lot of people, if you're able to stay up late enough, because I go to bed well before these games even get to halftime, these West Coast games, my God, how do you people do it? Uh, you're, you're watching something that we have probably never seen before. But the big story in the NBA these days, it's not James Harden. It's not Nikolai Jokic. The story that canvases the NBA right now is the John Morant story. And John Morant is a numbskull. I don't think there's any other way to put it. Um, okay, so if you haven't figured this out yet, I'm a white guy from the suburbs. I know if you could not tell when you meet me, see me, watch the video, I'm a pretty dorky white guy from the suburbs. I, Kira, stop shaking your head. Yes, it's true. All right? I don't have a lot of street cred. Okay, so I don't know what life is like to come from a, um, a, a, a black neighborhood. Okay, I don't. I was, you know, I didn't come from an underprivileged part of town. My parents, we were pretty middle class. You know, I lived in the suburbs. I never had to work for food. I never had any run-ins with gangs. I never had any run-ins with any of that kind of stuff. I don't know John Morant's history as a child and what he grew up with. But I think no matter what you do in life, where you come from, whether you come from lower class, middle class, upper class, whatever, I think what you want to do is improve your life, make your life better, right? That's what you want to do. Whatever struggles you had in the past, you want to put them in the past, and you don't want to, you should not want to have to deal with those struggles anymore. But for some reason, John Moran, who makes dozens of millions of dollars a year and is staring, was staring, a quarter billion dollar guaranteed contract in the face and still might be looking at something similar. For some reason, John Morant continues to want to go back to the streets or continues to want to be a gangbanger. And I don't get why. I have no idea why. You make enough money to where you don't have to associate with that any longer. Because if you associate with that, don't you associate yourself with putting yourself in situations where harm may come your way? Wouldn't you want to get out of that situation with all that money, all that protection you can afford, all of the, the, the places you can go and the experiences you can have that don't have to do with being on the streets? People are watching John Morant just crap his career, possibly, because he wants to hold guns up and act like a guy who's in the crypts. And I don't know why. I don't understand what it is. Now, he's a young dude, and everybody's been making excuses, every excuse in the book, up until the second incident. The first time, when he was in Denver, after the game, and he was waving the gun on IG Live, you're like, ah, what an idiot. He's going to have to change. No, I, I still don't know how he got the gun in Denver, because you can't bring a gun on a team plane. So he was flying from, I think, Memphis to Denver, and nobody knows how the gun got into the club that he was with. Because, you know, that's what... You know, rich people do. Rich entertainers, rich athletes, they rent out strip clubs. They make it rain. Dollars all over, women all over, money all over, food all over, uh, booze all over. That's not out of the ordinary. That's what he does. That's what he does. That's what a lot of NBA, NHL, uh, Major League Baseball, NFL stars do. I don't care about that. But where'd the gun come from? And why the need to flash the gun on IG Live? I don't get it. NBA comes in. Suspends him eight games. He goes on an Oprah-like 
conversation interview with Jalen Rose from ESPN, from Michigan. Spent a lot of time in the NBA. Smart guy. And everybody, and you know, you hear Ja make the statement, I'm going to improve myself, I'm going to get better. And in the back of my head, I'm like, this is the same guy who pulled a gun on a 17-year-old during the middle of a pickup basketball game he had beef with before the Denver incident. This guy's not changing. I did not think it would happen so quickly, but this guy's not changing. What happens a week ago? He's in a car with his guys. They're singing along to a song. So what? That's fine. Guys can sing along to songs. I don't care. It's a rap song, rock song, country song, whatever you want to do. But he's sitting shotgun, and at one point, the dude's holding the phone, and there's Ja with a gun in his hand, waving it around. Now, before you say what's wrong with him having a gun, it, he was in probably in Tennessee where it's legal to carry. Fine. The NBA says you can't do it. It doesn't matter what the rules are in your state. You work for the NBA, and the NBA says you cannot do it. So now the NBA, because Adam Silver feels punked because he gave him a very light sentence beforehand, now the NBA is going to have to drop the hammer on him. So back to Jalen Rose. He spent all that time with Ja, talking about how he has to change his ways, talking about how he has to improve his decision-making. Does it again. So what did Jalen take from the second incident? What I gather is sometimes it takes young people longer to actually get the message, and usually that message comes into a stiff punishment. What's going to now happen is it not only affects you clearly as an individual, but it's going to affect their entire offseason, affect their draft, affect their preseason, and affect the start of next season. So that long runway is then going to be a revelation, hopefully, in his life to where his decision-making has got to change. The key thing is not only having the gun, it's brandishing it and playing with it. That's where it definitely goes too far. And lastly, there are going to be a lot of people that blame the people around you. Once you get drafted, you're the CEO. They're your friends, your families, and in a lot of cases, your employees. So you're responsible for your behavior. And as a professional athlete, we all know we're required to be role models, whether we accept that or not. If he was in a different profession, maybe an artist or an entertainer, people would look at the video. They would look at it a little differently. Now, what Jalen Rose is saying is 100% correct there at the end. You can say, Oh, he's got to surround himself with better people. Oh, he's got to start listening to different people. He's the CEO of John Morant Company. John Morant Incorporated has one person who's in charge of John Morant Incorporated. And that person is John Morant. And John Morant's 22, I want to say, 22 or 23. No more excuses for John Morant. You now have to pay the penalty as head of John Morant Incorporated John Morant is the one who says, where's John Morant going to go? What car is John Morant going to get in? What's he going to bring with him in the car? Got your phone, got your charger, got your wallet, got your keys, got your gun. No, no, no. Leave the gun. Or put the gun in the box, in a glove box, in a trunk. You can transport a gun, but you don't have to wave it around. You don't have to brandish it the way that you're doing. ESPN's Harry Douglas said his friends would come after him if he did anything stupid like this. I'm looking at the guys that he are that he's around. My friend sent me a text message, Fitz, and I'm pretty sure you have fit uh, friends that, you know, have your best interests. And when you surround yourself with people who want you to win, but also want a, a ton for for yourself as well, they won't allow you to do stupid things like this. Now, let me mention, I'm not calling John Morant stupid. What he did was stupid, though. Mm -hmm. It was a stupid act, in my in my opinion. It was absolutely. It, at this point, I can say John Morant is an idiot. He's, he continues to do things that an idiot would do. He got into a fight with a 17-year-old over a basketball game. He pulled a gun on a kid. Allegedly. He waved a gun around at a strip club in Denver. That's not a legend. That happened. He's waving a gun around in a car in Tennessee. That happened. What don't we know about? What's not on IG Live? Where else is the gun being brandished? Who else is he getting into fights with? Like right now, John Morant is not good for the Memphis Grizzlies, for the NBA. John Morant's not good for John Morant. I want to skip to number four here if we can, please. Stephen A. Smith, who normally I have to plug my ears because he screams so much, but he makes a great point because before, when Adam Silver gave John Morant the eight-game suspension, that was a slap on the wrist. Absolutely a slap on the wrist. And, and we all believed it. We all believed. Ja's going to change. Not anymore. 
Adam Silver gave the impression of feeling betrayed. I thought we talked about this. I thought we handled this. Now you're forcing me to take a position I never really wanted to take. I was lenient on you. I was light on you. I could have made a decision in the best interest of the game and came down hard on you the first time. But now you put me in this position. That is the reason Adam Silver should possibly have a heavy hand on John Morant. But it shouldn't be because John Morant is some criminal out there acting up and putting others in harm's way. That's not what happened here. He didn't put anybody in harm's way. He's right. But he basically just spit in the face of the commissioner of the NBA. And what I love so much about the video, if you haven't seen the video, as I mentioned, his buddy is sitting, uh, his buddy's in the, the driver's seat. There's a dude in the back seat and Jaws sitting shotgun. And as they're dancing to the song and they're, they're, they're mimicking the lyrics or whatever, you see the, the driver take the phone and he flashes it over towards Ja and Ja comes up. It's a front facing camera and Ja comes up and then the gun comes up and immediately his boy ends the video because he knows he knows at that point, his guy, maybe his meal ticket, maybe that's turtle from entourage sitting there. Maybe that's his guy. He's like, Oh no, I can, this was a bad idea. Because the phone immediately goes down, and then the, the, the end button gets hit because he knows that John ja Morant just screwed up again. It wasn't even three months. It was like three weeks after the punishment came down from the NBA. That's what an idiot does. That's it right there. 25 games, 50 games. We'll see what the NBA comes up with. And I think you're going to look at Somewhere between around 40 games. I think it might be half a season for uh, for John Morant. All right. That is it. We are out of here. I'll talk to you next week. Hey, uh, if you are in the downtown Des Moines area, come down to Confluence Brewing today. The debut of our newest beer, Laser 103.3, has a beer called VI Pills. want you to come down and try it. Debuting today inside the tap room. Love to see you down there starting at 5. My name is Mike Wicket. Thank you so much for listening to Wicket's World here on 1021. FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines.